from above. I see everything, even the things he couldn't. I find I want to shout to him, to push him this way or that, to warn him about what I know is coming. But I can't, of course. His story, and the story of the crow man, is already over. It finished long, long ago, and there's no changing any of it now. All I can do is tell it, and in the telling, resurrect him for the good of all. For without the teller, there is no tale, and without this tale, there can be no world. Part 1. Among Crows Sometimes when a bird cries out, or the wind sweeps through a tree, or a dog howls in a far-off field, I hold still and listen a long time. My world turns and goes back to the place where a thousand forgotten years ago the bird and the blowing wind were like me and were my brothers. My soul turns into a tree and an animal and a cloud bank. Then changed and odd it comes home and asks me questions. What should I reply? Herman Hesse Scarecrow, scarecrow, fingers a bone, here comes the scarecrow into your home. Scarecrow, scarecrow, teeth a glass, here comes the scarecrow, let him pass. Scarecrow, scarecrow, eyes a stone, here comes the scarecrow when you're all alone. Children's Rhyme, Black Dawn Era, Oral Tradition The high, the low, all of creation God gives to humankind to use. If this privilege is misused, God's justice permits creation to punish humanity. Hildegard of Bingen Chapter 1 I see the boy's birth. There were signs, portents, if you will. His two sisters were banished from the master bedroom where Sophie Black wished to give birth. It was upon the same bed where she had conceived the boy, but for this... At the moment of his introduction to the world, her husband was excluded. Sophie's closest friend, Amelia Porter, comforted her, squeezing her hand and massaging her sacrum with every accelerating contraction. There was no sign of the midwife. Downstairs, Louis Black paced the living room, checking his watch and sipping often from his whiskey glass. He glanced at the inglenook and stooped to add a log to an already roaring fire. As he stood, he noticed the celebratory cigar poking from the breast pocket of his worn tweed jacket. He pushed the cigar out of sight. On the mantelpiece stood a collection of photos. Louis's eyes were drawn to the tiny birth portraits of his daughters. Wrinkled red faces, cocooned in white blankets and protected in the arms of their mother. A dozen times already Louis had thought of fetching the camera from his study. A dozen times he checked himself, deeming it hasty. Childbirth was dangerous, unpredictable. He massaged his temples and took another drink. Upstairs in her older sister's bedroom, Judith couldn't sit still. She spun and danced while Angela sat cross-legged on the bed, picking at the threads from a tear in the knee of her jeans. "'It's going to be a boy, Lella,' said Judith. "'How would you know that? You're just hoping for a little brother you can fuss over. I dreamed about him. He'll have black hair and grey eyes.' When did you dream that? 
Can't remember, said Judith. You're making it up. Maybe I am. Want to see me skip backwards? I've been practicing. Lifting her arms with each step, Judith managed to skip backwards in a small circle. She stood waiting for judgment and smoothing her fine hair back from her face. Angela didn't look up. What do you think, Lella? I could do a handstand too, but I have to be near the wall or I fall over. Mum has blonde hair and green eyes. Dad has brown hair and blue eyes. We're both blonde with blue eyes. It won't have black hair, and it won't be a boy. Their mother's scream from the other end of the corridor left a hush in the room. Judith ran to the bed, climbed up and into the arms of her sister. A few moments later, a longer cry pierced the entire house. Judith clung to Angela and whispered, It doesn't sound like her. Judith felt Angela's warm cheek against her head. Her sister's hair smelled of shampoo and her cardigan was soft lambswool.